Will you come away with me to the book of Matthew, the 18th chapter? I started off last week talking about forgiveness renews relationships. So count this as part two, if you will. Matthew, the 18th chapter, starting at verse 23, that's where we want to start reading. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to settle the, uh, begin the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, all that he had, be sold to repay the debt. And at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him just a hundred silver coins, grabbed him and begged, began to choke him, and pay me back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I will pay you, pay it, pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailer to be tormented until he should pay back all he owed. And this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. May the Lord add a blessing to the readers, the hearers, and most of all the doers of his holy word. Now last week we began talking about the phrase of forgiveness or more like reconciliation from uh, the forgiving marriage by Dr. Paul Coleman, if you remember. And we talked about adultery and how this can be forgiven and the marriage restored. And if your spouse commits adultery, you have only two choices, two choices. Number one, stay and do whatever it takes to find healing and restoration for your marriage. Or number two, Leave and move on with your life. You only got two choices. And so this second option is biblically justified. God is so grieved by infidelity in the marriage that as much as he hate, hated divorce or hates divorce, he allowed uh, infidelity to be the grounds enough to justify it. However, what a witness uh, it is when a couple forgives and reconciles after this most devastating of sins. Some of you really need to hear this today. I believe it was Stormy uh, O'Martin in her book, and some of us uh, read her prayer books. In one of her books called Praying Through the Deeper Issues of Marriage, she tells this story in her book. She says, I know of one particular couple who uh, recovered from infidelity better than any couple I have ever known. They were both Christians who were faithful in their church. They seemed to have a wonderful marriage and family. However, the husband discovered that his wife had been having an affair with another man. 
And when he confronted her, she admitted it was true. The husband came to our house to tell us that he had discovered this affair and to share how angry and devastated he felt. He asked us for our prayer of support as he dealt with the aftermath of it all. However, as he sought the Lord, he realized that he wanted to save his marriage more than he wanted to, more than he wanted revenge. And so he took time off from work and spent uninterrupted quality time with his wife, listening to her, telling him everything that had been going on inside of her through the years that led up to the affair. And just a few weeks later, the husband brought his wife to our house on a Saturday morning saying he wanted to tell us something. The four of us sat together in a private room where no one else in the house could hear. He told us that God had opened his eyes to how insensitive he had been to his wife's needs and requests for years. And he wanted to apologize in front of us for his part in this and for his anger and his disappointment with his wife when he came to our house the first time. I have never heard anything so amazing as this tender and heartfelt apology by this husband. His wife was so touched by his declaration of love and his commitment to, what, to do whatever it took to save their marriage that she was completely broken and repentant. They stayed in the church and they stayed with each other. Their marriage survived this terrible disaster and is still growing today. This summarizes what I talked about last Sunday. We talked about three different things, and we said we had five. Five phases of forgiveness. Five things when you're talking about forgiveness. Number one, we said to, uh, to identify the hurt and feel remorse. You remember that? If you're taking notes, uh, if you have a, uh, you know, a smartphone, you can uh, download the app, the Winning Church app, and you see the notes uh, there. Number two, the need to confess the sin or confront the sinner. All right? That's what we talked about last week. And then number three, the need to engage in difficult and challenging conversations. That was number three. It is to be hoped that there will be forgiveness and reconciliation of the marriage. However, this is not always the case. In this story... Things could be quite different. The husband uh, could do these same things, but the wife refused to repent and refused to get out of the relationship with this other man and no reconciliation. So what do we do then? Well, there's not much more than this husband could do except these next steps. Because sometimes... The parties don't want to reconcile. Sometimes they choose not to stay in the relationship. And some of you may say, Bishop, my marriage is having a hard time, but definitely no sexual adultery. And I'm giving this as a source of hope. If people can recover and have a good marriage after adultery through the power of God, then you can have a good marriage no matter what you are going through. Some of us, we just want to give it up, and I mean, adultery is not a part of it, but we, we, we don't call hope to the world when the world said irreconcilable differences. What that mean? 
That means you want to do what you want to do and they want to do what they want to do. When you gave your vows, you didn't think about no irreconcilable differences. When you gave your vows, you weren't thinking about, oh, I do. I will. Let's go back to the I do. I will. Like you're just going to melt right there before each other. Huh? And now you act like you can't stand each other. If God's word cannot help your marriage, either God is a liar or you are a liar. And if God is not a liar, then you live in a lie. So everything that you live in is not real. You're just going through the motions. Nobody got no time to be going through the emotions and wasting all this time for that. This is life. Time is passing by. Time is short. What we got to do, and, and I'm glad that the single people are here because I love y'all. Y'all get, get, get the blessed part of it because you get to know up front before you get in it. Amen. You make sure you're taking notes so when y'all start courting and talking, say, let's talk about the five areas of forgiveness that the pastor talked about. I want to talk about that. Mm -hmm. I ain't never heard nothing like that, but you finna hear about it today. And I tell you what, better yet, we're going to we'll get with my pastor and I'm going to let him go over with us. See, some of you all, you together, you didn't get no good counsel. That's why you're having problems today. See, when, when, let me tell you something. Let me talk to my leaders for a minute. Anytime somebody want to get married and they want y'all to counsel them, you give them the hardest counseling you can give them. See, that's their test. If they pass through all that hard counseling, you get, then you'll know whether they still want to do it or not. I remember years ago I was in my office. I said, wait a minute, hold up. Right here, right now. What you want to do? I said, now, listen, I don't want to waste your time, and I don't want you to waste my time. If you're not ready, then you need to say something right now. They were like, well, I see what you're saying. I ain't going to waste your time. Thank you. Let's go. I don't even have to go through all this for no six and eight weeks fooling with you, and you ain't going to do it anyway. Amen. Hallelujah. So a wise woman said, said, a good marriage is the union of, of two good forgivers. I like that. Make note of that. Put a, stick a pin in that. A good marriage is the union of, of, of two good forgivers. Two good forgivers. If you're here with your spouse, look over and ask them, say, are you a good forgiver? Hallelujah. Because we're going to have to have that. See, what people don't understand is that uh, even without relationship of, of a husband and wife, you got, you got mother, daughter, you got mother, son, you got son, father, father, you know, son, you got, you know, you got all kinds of brother to brother, sister to sister. You got all kinds of relationship. Listen, what you got to understand is that you should be quick to forgive because one day you're going to need it. Look at this. If you don't forgive nobody, guess what's coming back to you? 
ain't nobody going to forgive you. You receive what you plant. Ah, you ain't worthy of my forgiveness. And were you worthy of God's forgiveness? That's a question. None of us was worthy, but thank God he made us worthy. He forgave me anyhow. Anybody else feel like that? He forgave you anyhow? Come on now, we were messed up as they come. It was a dance of the merry-go-round, but God forgave us anyway. Thank God for giving me, for giving me anyhow. Little baby would have said, yeah, amen. So let's go over the last two phrases of forgiveness, and we're going to the foyer and get something. Number four, you ready? Forgive and make restitution. Say that with me. Forgive and make restitution. There comes a time when you must forgive or be forgiven. If you are to be reunited with the person you are alienated from, you got to learn how to forgive. Now get this. Our ability to forgive comes from God. you got to have God in your life if you're going to learn how to forgive. It is not in our human faculty to just outright off top forgive. We are people that don't want to release forgiveness. When I hurt, I want you to hurt like I hurt. When I hurt, I'm not ready to release you yet. I want you to feel what I'm feeling. But God will give you the ability to forgive. Because he forgave us. Forgiveness is never a simple act. It's never simple. Forgiveness might be one of the hardest things you do. And if you're going to be in any meaningful relationship, you got to learn how to do the hard stuff. Everything is not going to be easy for you for you to have a great you know, oh, we just got this marriage that, you know, this fairy tale. We got, oh, it's just, um, uh, it's blissfully just gloriously blessed. And, oh, we never have any trouble. We never argue. We never have an intense fellowship. We don't never get upset with each other. He's just so perfect. She just, no! As beautiful as they are, they're going to get on your nerve every now and then. As handsome as he is, that joker going to get on your everlasting nerve. Hallelujah. And it can be something simple. I talk about myself. Baby, did you wipe the table down? No, I'm going to get it. That table's still looking the same. My wife said, babe, did you wipe the table? I asked you to wipe the table. I told y'all I was going to get it now. <laughs> I didn't leave. See, the, 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 you know, <laughs> I did it on purpose. No, I ain't doing it on purpose. But, but listen. We were doing all right until that devilish table came into play. <laughs> See, 
that's how it started. It started off with something small. I don't know what you're talking about. I can't get you to wipe the table down. can't get you to do the simple stuff. Talk about doing something big. You wipe that table down first, and then we talk about something else. I ain't talking about nobody here. I'm just talking about my own life. Hallelujah. Every time I pass by that table, I be like, by another table, I'm going to get rid of you. <laughs> See, we can forgive because as Christians, we have been forgiven. And how can I forgive such a thing and continue this relationship? Look what it says in Colossians 3 and 13. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. God would have never requested it if he, didn't, if he knew you couldn't do it. He knows you can't forgive. But no, with our little stubborn, stuck-up self, I'm not doing it. I'm not ready to forgive. What if God would have said, I'm not ready to forgive you? And you died before he forgave you. And after we confront and have these difficult Conversations that we talked about last week, we need to forgive. Now, watch this forgive, but not silently. I better say that again forgive, but not silently. Y'all see how silent y'all got then? I forgive you is an important phrase. Forgiveness spills over into all you do. Fill it in the nooks and the crannies and all the hidden places in your life. You got to say it out of your mouth. I forgive you. Will you forgive me? Yes, I forgive you. Don't put no buts on it. Release them. Release yourself and let's move forward. Forgiveness is rarely done perfectly by humans because, you know, we have to hold on to stuff. You say, yeah, I forgive you. You're still holding on to something. Mm -hmm. that, and then we say something ignorant like, I forgive you, but I ain't going to forget it. You know what God says about forgiving us? He says, I will take your sins, throw them in the depths of the sea to remember them no more. You know what that scripture is saying? I choose not to bring it up again. To remember them no more. I choose, I know about it, but I choose to never bring it up again. Some of you all can't get past your first year. You're on 13, but you can't get past your first year because you're still holding on something from the first year. 
Actually, you in your 13th year, but it's like you still in your first year. You should, you should be in your 13th year, but really you're still in your first year. Because you haven't learned how to forgive and release each other. How many of you know that the enemy, he right there edging you on? Like, yeah, yeah, don't, don't never forget it. Yeah, God, you remember that because, see, you're going to need to tell them off. When the, when the time comes, you're going to need to tell her, give her a piece of your mind. So we, find, we will find that we will have to decide to forgive. Forgiveness is a decision. You have to decide to forgive. It ain't got nothing to do with your feelings. Y'all look up here, look at me. It ain't got nothing to do with your feelings. That's why you're in the predicament you're in, because you always invite your feelings in. Take your feelings out and then decide, just I'm going to forgive you. Feelings or no feelings, I'm just going to release you. If you always invite your feelings, you may not ever forgive. Well, what if I really don't mean it? Forgive them, say it until your feelings catch up. Because anything you do, your feelings ain't ready yet. It's just like your children after you don't whip them. And they say, Mama, you still love Yeah, I still love you, but you still holding on to something. Well, you still mad right now. But your feelings going to catch up because you know you love your children. Now your feelings got to catch up with what you know. Hallelujah. You don't get no points for when you don't feel like it. Clean your room. I don't feel like it. Put gas in your car. I don't feel like it. Hallelujah. Go to work. I don't feel like it. Do your homework. I don't feel like it. Where, you, where have your feelings got you? Many of us know that been working for years. We had to push past our feelings. We've got to go back to a job where people are prejudiced. They don't like you. You know, they're bigots. They're everything else. But you push past all of that. Some of you are here old enough that have called you the N-word and everything else. You don't push past all that. Because you didn't let your feelings get involved. Let your feelings get involved. They call you. You a bit of man or snatch the hair off their head and blacken both of their eyes. But you just can't let your feelings get involved with everything. So say that with me. I decide to forgive. Moving forward, we're going to decide to forgive. Let my feelings catch up later, but I'm forgiving today. I am going to forgive you because if I don't forgive you, my heavenly father won't forgive me. And I can't afford not to be not for him to forgive me. I need him to forgive me. Now you ain't all that. You ain't that important for me not to let the Lord forgive me. See, I can't hold myself hostage like that. I don't care what God do to me. I'm not going to forgive you. Oh, no, that ain't me. I do care what God do to me. And you should care too. And you know, 
and I know we talking like this, but some of y'all behind, y'all need to catch up. You need to catch up on your forgiveness. You've been mad with the world all your life. You were mad in elementary. You were mad in junior high, well, middle school now. You were mad in high school. Went to college mad. Now you got a job, you're mad on your job. Now you done got married, you're mad with your husband. Now you got children, you're mad with your children. Now you done joined the church, you're mad with the church. You've been mad all your life. Huh? Just got to learn how to forgive. And I'm going to take something out. You got to learn how to forgive yourself too. The Bible said the Lord is greater than our hearts. He has already released us while we holding ourselves captive to our own disappointment of our lives. Disappointment of our, we, you got to learn how to release yourself. Then sometimes you do have to talk to yourself. They say, well, you crazy talking. No, you crazy if you don't talk to yourself. You crazy if you answer. You just, you know what I'm saying. But you got to talk to yourself. Don't answer yourself, but talk to yourself. Amen? Man, that was dumb. You know? Have you ever said that to yourself? Man, that was dumb. Why did I do that? Anybody else say that? Why did I do that? Anybody been there? Come on, I know some of y'all, I know y'all in here. Some of y'all are real saved. I know your life. But now, have you ever said, that? you know, why did I do that? And then the enemy tried to push you and say, well, you know, that pride kick in and say, well, I did it. I, yeah, I did it. Trying to be bad about it. No, just say, you know what? I didn't do that right. Forgive me. How hard is that? But the human life, it make, we make it hard to release. Hallelujah. Are y'all okay with this? Yeah. And so we decide to forgive much like we choose to love several times after confession or confrontation. We must forgive. A Christian who is not willing to forgive others will find his fellowship with God hindered. Now look what Matthew uh, 6 and 15 says. But if you do not forgive men their sins, y'all see this? Your father will not Forgive your sins. Great God Almighty. So how many sins has the Lord forgiven us? Anybody know how many sins he has forgiven you? How many sins you had that he forgave? Anybody remember how many? Oh, oh okay, y'all got it. All of them. Because we can't count them, can we? We don't forgot some of the sin we done done. God didn't forget, but we forgot. But he chose to forgive us and not bring it back up. And in Matthew 18, the man owed 10,000 talents, like the national debt. He would never be able to pay that back. You understand? And through Jesus Christ, we have been forgiven. This same man goes out and demands payment from a man who owed him just 10 denarius, owed him very little, I mean very little change. You're talking about dollars compared to millions. And so... Uh, he owed him very little and then Matthew uh, 18 34 this said, in the anger his master turned him over to the jealous to be tormented until he should pay back all he owed and this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart so we have, we have been forgiven of so much by the Lord we need to forgive the hurt against us can I let y'all in on something 
Before you quit this life, somebody's going to hurt you again. Matter of fact, you're going to be hurt many more times after today. I'm teaching this message. You're going to be hurt some more times after today. So you got to learn how to forgive. You already know going in. My, listen, me and my wife, we've been doing good, but then stuff can happen and try to knock us off our little high horse, and we have to just say, uh-uh, I'm getting back on this. A lot of times, if you want to see how, what you got and how strong it is, you got to be tested. And so little things come up. She liked the way she do things. I like the way I do something. But we got to come to an agreement that we're not going to allow this to break us up and not talk to each other. Because if the enemy break the lines of communication and we don't know what each other are thinking, we might do anything and think it's okay. Because we don't know because we ain't talking. We don't know because we haven't asked. You knew that hurt me. I didn't know. Well, you didn't see how I was looking. Well, I, you look mad all the time. Uh oh, that's the wrong thing to say. That's the wrong thing. Well, no, I, I, no, baby, I really wouldn't. I didn't see that in you. All I saw was beauty. That's a good answer, right there. That's a good answer. That's, that's a good answer. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. There. Everett uh, Worthington has done much research on forgiveness, and, and he says there are two forms of forgiveness. I want you to listen to this. There's decisional forgiveness and emotional forgiveness. What did I just say? Decisional and emotional forgiveness. So there's two types of forgiveness. Decisional forgiveness is based on one's decision to forgive. Decisional forgiveness is intentionally changing my behavior toward the offender. I intentionally don't get upset because she offended me. I keep being the same forward thinker and moving upward even though I was offended. But my behavior does not change. Because if I get offended, my behavior can change and then I'm not moving forward, I'm backing up. Or maybe I'm not backing up, but I'm standing still, I'm, I'm stagnant. Right? So you can't allow the offenders of uh, uh, what they do to you to cause you to change with where God is taking you. <laughs> and then emotional forgiveness is changing the emotions toward the offender. I choose not to lash back at you. I choose not to use my emotions to get you all bent out of shape. You understand what I'm saying? They all emotion and you get your mind. Give me this thing. You can't do nothing right. How that sound? That sound like somebody finna fight, ain't it? I don't know what you talking about. I know you ain't talking to me about doing stuff right. <laughs> See, be careful what you say if you're a man saying something to a woman, you can't do nothing right because she'll have a whole list of things of what you ain't done right. <laughs> she said, oh, I've been waiting for him to open that door. I was waiting for him to say that because I got to. <laughs> Let's start with number one. 
Be careful, be careful. Be careful the door you open. And then while she started, let me close that door. Get that door. Shut that door. Close it. <laughs> so I got to get my emotions in check. I got to use my emotions for the glory of God. Jesus had emotion, but he knew how to use it correctly. Your emotions are there and they to be used by God. Your emotions shows the inner part of you. Jesus wept because Lazarus was dead. They didn't know that, hey, I had some dealing when I was close. And so you got to have those in check. Decisional forgiveness decides to stop negative behavior in broken relationships and to restore positive behavior in continual close relationship like marriage. You continue that. And so decisional forgiveness will come first. You just decide to do it. That comes first. Say that with me. Decisional forgiveness comes first. Now, emotional forgiveness happens over time after decisional forgiveness has already started. I don't know why she won't get over it. She still acted up. Well, she might have decided to forgive, but her emotions haven't caught up yet. Well, she, I like, she still don't love me. Her emotions haven't caught up yet. I got to get the decisional part down first. And then allow some time for my emotions to catch up. Hallelujah. And you as a person that's receiving it, you cannot put a time on it. For when they need to get over it. You help them through their getting over it. You don't stand back and say, you ain't over it yet. You ain't over it yet. You ain't over it yet. No, you help them. You assist them. How can I help assist you? In getting your emotions involved in this. All right? Am I helping anybody? So notice that the emotions eventually follow the decision. I will not forgive until I feel like forgiving. Many times that will not happen. If you say, I, I, I'm not going to forgive until I feel, feel like giving, you'll never forgive. Because your, feeling your feelings can linger a long time. Because you'll be going good and your feelings get involved. So, See that? That's why I'm not... Uh -uh. It kick you all the way back down. Some remind you of what happened when, and your emotions take you right back where you started. And some of y'all been walking this life and haven't forgiven your mama, haven't forgiven your daddy, haven't forgiven your daughter, your son, haven't forgiven your coworker, and you still hold it. If they if they came and had a conversation with you right now, you get mad all over again because you haven't released them and you haven't released yourself. Anytime somebody can walk in your presence and kill your mood, your mood and kill everything, you were doing good, you were like, <laughs> you were having a good time. They walk in, they come, oh, what y'all talking about? Oh, Lord. <laughs> they got too much power over you. If they can kill your mood just like that, kill your mood just like that, you was having a great time until they stepped in the picture. You're not going to take my joy. You didn't give it anyway. 
And you're not going to live rent-free in my mind where I'm thinking about you all the time. Uh-uh, you're not killing my vibe like that. Hallelujah. I choose joy. Now you, you can go over there and have your lips stuck all out by yourself if you want to, but I'm going to have joy. I said you be mad by yourself. You want to have a mad party, don't invite me. You be mad by yourself. Hallelujah. And see, if you like me, I'm not going to let us stay in tipsed. Nuh-uh. We ain't doing that in this house. My wife tell you, come on over here. Come on. Give me some sugar. Now, 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 now she be trying to put dudes that on me. Come on over here. Trying to, try to use it on me. Give me some sugar. <laughs> She's somebody at work. She's looking at Seba and said, Try to work. Hallelujah. See, you, you start something there, you turn it around and flip it on you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> trying to use my technique. Amen. Yeah, yeah, she said it works. So that's, that's great, but what, what if the other person does not apologize and they don't repent? What happens then? Forgiving does not always end in a happy reunion. See, sometimes the offender response to our forgiveness is, I could care less. Somebody said, you know, I forgive you and will you, I could care less whether you forgive me. So we need to let others take responsibility for themselves. If they don't receive it, let them take responsibility. That's their responsibility. I done done my part. So we cannot make them repent. You can't make nobody repent. Why should we let them keep us from healing ourselves? We need to forgive the unrepentant for our sake. Maybe not for their sake, but for our sake. We need to forgive people who do not care if only so that we do not drown in our own misery. Like the Bible says in Romans 12 and 19, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, said the Lord. So leave the avenger to God that I think is the way for us to cope with people who hurt us and do not seem to care. Let God have them. I'm going to go ahead and go on to sleep. I'm not going to be worried about you because I can't do nothing with you. But I'm going to let God have You know, my, my mama used to tell us years ago when, when we were acting up, she said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put y'all in the hands of God. And she had to put the fear of God and said, Mama, please don't put us in the hands of God. See, ideally, forgiveness takes two. Forgiving is real even though there is no reconciliation. You can forgive a person and there's no reconciliation. There's no reconciling. They don't want it yet. They don't want you to forgive them. They're going to dodge you. They're going to avoid you. They don't want your forgiveness. But hey, as far as you are concerned, you have given them your forgiveness. So should you sentence yourself to hate simply because this person you need to forgive does not want your forgiveness? Well, since you ain't going to forgive me, I ain't forgiving you either. Don't you sentence yourself like that? 
Uh-uh, I'm not going to do what you're doing because I get what you got. I don't want your results. I want the God results. Get forgive and, you know, you shall be forgiven. And if the people who you, you forgive want to stay where they are, let them. You can make a solo flight to freedom yourself. I'm free. You're the one still in bondage. Listen, for the rest of my life, I'm going to be free around here. I'm going to be quick to forgive. I'm going to go on about my business. I'm going to have fun in life. I'm going to be, yes, I'm, 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 I'm going to have God's best. And I'm, I'm going to be blessed and have his best. And I'm going to be blessed. And I'm not going to sit around here holding nothing against nobody, against my wife, my children, uh, the church membership, or nobody else. Hey, if we, done, if we had some, you know, disagreement, we can disagree to, to disagree. But, but we don't have to be disagreeable. And we can get it together if we want to. Look what it says in Luke 23 and 34. And I'm almost there. I got one more to go and I'm, I'm done. Think of Jesus. Think, think of Jesus. What he said. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Right? And they divided up his clothes by casting out. So forgive them. Jesus said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Sometimes you got to forgive your family members because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know God like you know God. They haven't been forgiven like you know about forgiveness when you read the word of God. So you got to show them. You got to model to them how this thing is done. Show them how it's done. If you want forgiveness, forgive somebody else. So restitution or somehow making it up, that's what restitution is. You make up, you make up, you make up, you make up. I thank God that we know how to make up. So you make up to this other person, you can be helpful, especially when both want reconciliation. It is possible to pay back whatever was taken by an action of betrayal. No, but it can be helpful to reconcile. So when one feels bad about what they have done, they, their, their love compels them to do something to ease the other's pain. Uh, Proverbs 14 and 9 says, fools mark at making amends for sin, but goodwill is found among the upright. So we must carry on this act of restitution. And then my final one, number five, and this is a real simple one, but it's, it's hard. It's simply said, but it can be hard to be. Let go and forget. That's number five. Say that with me. Let go, Let go. and forget. And forget. I want y'all to think about that. Let go and forget. After you have forgiven the one who has hurt you, what remains to be done is to let go of the pain of anger and resentment. Yes, sir. So the task is to let go of the pain of guilt and shame. Let it go. Say that with me again. Let it go. Let it go. So you may notice the, uh, the remnants of the old hurts and the fears remain despite your genuine efforts to find or to get forgiveness. But notice any pain you feel for what it is, a residue of something past. So simply acknowledge it and get on with whatever you were doing before the memory intruded. Letting go can be as simply as that. I just take it and I release it. Take your hand, hold it up, ball your fist up, now open it up. 
There it is. That's your release right there. One more time. Ball it up. First natural, then spiritual, not release. Right? Now, it took more of your muscles to pull your fist in. You see all of the veins and everything, the muscles right there, tighten it up. But when you release, man, doesn't it feel good? That's how you want your marriage to be on a marriage of release. You don't want to be all tensed up, all balled up, and everybody in the house on edge. Even the children, the pet, cat, and dog on edge. Even the mosquito around them. Everything on their own edge. Everything tensed up. And so you may notice the remnant of the old hurts, you know. And so, and after there is forgiveness, some forgetting follows. Uh-oh. After there is forgiveness, some forgetting follows. Now, I know some of y'all, y'all beg the difference. I don't know about that one, Bishop. You are doing good until you said that. But let me, let me help you. Let me help you. I'll do this and I'll let you alone. A mistaken belief is that one must completely forget about the painful events for the forgiveness to be genuine and healing. My God. You will always be able to recall what happened that led to the separation, but your memory will be less upsetting over time. And your remembrance will occur less frequently. See, often hear that we should forgive and forget. If by forgive and forget, one means I choose to forgive the offender for the sake of Christ and move on with my life, then that is a wise and godly course of action. As much as possible, we should, according to Philippians 3 and 13, look at it right here, says, forget what is behind and strain toward what is ahead. Forget what's behind and push toward what's ahead. So in a way, the type of forgetting that takes place after forgiveness happens has similarities to the kind of forgetting and follows after the death of a loved one. There's less grief as time passes. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I lost my mother, you know, my, my, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law. After, over time, the grief gets less and less. And the memories of the person or of the deaf are less troublesome. Instead, pleasant memories replace the painful ones. See, I, right now, you know, my mother's been gone for a little minute. My wife's mother's been gone for a little But, man, let me tell you something. It's not a day that passed by. We're not talking about what her dad or somebody did done said, and we're laughing about it. Because we remember those pleasant memories. It done replaced that what we felt when they died. See, over a course of time, yeah, when they first hit you, yeah, you cry your eyeballs out and everything else. But over a course of time, you start replacing that what you saw what was death, and you turn it into a laughter of the things that you remember that they did great. So forgiving fits faulty people. I want you to understand that. So we understand that there's a less grief as time passes, and the memories of the person or of the deaf are less and less. And so those pleasant memories replace the painful ones. And some of you maybe have experienced death, you know, sometime here, uh, maybe a month or so ago. But I'm telling you, those pleasant memories are going to replace what you saw in death. 
And so we are all faulty, just in case you didn't know it. And to forgive others is fitting for us. For the mixed bag of goods and bads that we all are. One man said it to a preacher. He said, I will never forgive. And the preacher answered, then I hope, sir, that you never see it. How can we have a God-honoring marriage if we do not forgive and forget? Who do you think you are, sir, ma'am, to have the colossal nerve, the mitigating gall, to say that I'm not forgiving them? My God. He or she is not worthy of my forgiveness. When you know that you are not perfect and you know that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God and we need God to forgive us. You ain't fooling me. We done said something on this week that we need God to forgive us about. We done said something to each other that we need forgiveness about. We done done things to each other that we need forgiveness about. We done said stuff under our breath that we know we shouldn't have said. So in closing, let's recap everything. Number one, first thing we got to do in forgiveness is identify the hurt and feel remorse. Y'all remember that? First thing, you identify the hurt. You know when you don't hurt somebody. They, they tell you if they hurt. You, you know, you really hurt my feelings. And don't, don't listen. Don't even try to try to be tough about it. Try to make them tough about it. Well, you just need to get over. It. No, 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 no. We're identifying right now what has hurt. And if you know that that has hurt them, you got to feel the remorse. That's right. You got to feel the remorse. Why do you do that? So I make a note of this, that I don't cause this hurt or this pain again. Because I know how it made them feel and how it made me feel the last time that it happened. That's right, Bishop. Number two, you confess and you confront. We got to talk about this. And then we got to confess what we did wrong. Okay, now I see my errors on my way. I see where I went wrong on that. So I tell you what, this is what I'm going to do. I need your help in this. So we got to confess and then, you know, I, I know, you know what? Hiding never makes us go further. It never promotes us. If you always hide, you're going to always be in bondage. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't like being in bondage. How many of y'all like me? You, 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 uh, you don't like bondage, do you? I like to be free in my relationships. See, if, I, if, we, if we're friends about something, I want to be free to be able to laugh like I laugh. See, if I laugh, laugh loud and that get on your nerve, well, maybe we might not be able to walk together. I mean, we can be caught with each other, but we just can't hang. But I need somebody to accept my loud laughing. Let me be me. I don't mean no harm about it. That's just how God gave me that voice. I just laugh loud. I can't help because you laugh. <laughs> That's your laugh. <laughs> your, your, your laugh is <laughs> My laugh is <laughs> Your laugh may be like, shh, 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 shh. But my laugh might be just like what mother did. Ha, 
just you got you. Everybody not gonna be you. Everybody got to walk around on shelves. Wait a minute, don't break that shelf. Wait, wait, hold up. Number three, engage in difficult and challenging conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to do this. You got to engage. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging. But you got to have the conversation. You can't avoid it. can't run from it. can't hide it. Oh, baby. Uh, and this is what some of you do. We'll talk about that tomorrow. We'll talk about that Friday. Tomorrow never come. Friday never come. You be hoping they don't bring it up. Or remember, remind you. You remember we said we were going to talk tomorrow? Oh, man. Remember we said we are going to talk Friday? Well, I'm not ready yet. Let's move it to next Friday. You little coward. You little chicken. You ain't going to never get nothing right. You got to engage in the difficult and challenging. Everything ain't going to be easy for you. Sometimes you got to walk the hard walk. And then number four, we got to forgive and do what? Make restitution. Amen? You got to work on restoring the thing. Right? Make it better. Make it, make it, make up. One of the best things about, you know, having a little, you know, intense fellowship is making up. Hallelujah. That make it up party good. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That bring a smile on your face. Glory to God. And then last, you got to let go and forget. Tell me, let go and forget. In other words, you choose not to bring it up. So you can start it all over again. The sword was healing good, but you ripped the scab off again. Let's start all over. Forgiveness renews relationships. And I'm not just talking about husband and wife. I'm talking about your friendship. I'm talking about daughter, mother, father, son, pastor to members, members of pastor. Forgiveness restores or renews our relationship. We got to learn how to do it, people. We got to learn how to. I ain't like the way Pastor did that back in, like back in 2001. And you still holding that? It's 2022. I ain't like that decision he made. I ain't like when he told, told everybody we're going to change the name of the church. I like CLC. I like the come fellowship. I, li I like, uh, you know, uh, 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 the, the Christian Fellowship Church. Oh, what is this here? What is this fruit? Is it the winning church? Get over it. You can still be CLC. That's fine. Just put on your shirt, CLC slash TWC. It is anything. Got to move on. Catch the revelation. We're the winning jacks. Hallelujah. Y'all learn how to forgive. Even though people don't do what you want, they don't do what you want them to do. And it's not going to always be where everybody do what you want them to do. It's not going to be like that. 
And quiet as it kept, I'm, I'm closing. You're not always right. I know you're smart. I know you got a master's and a doctor degree and everything. Else. But watch this. You remember, you remember Dr. Ricky Timber wrote that book, Why Smart People Make Dumb Choices. Did you not know some of the smartest people in the world make the craziest decisions? A lot of smart people are in jail because they thought they could outsmart the government and everybody else. Thought they could outsmart the business and the boss and everybody else. Yeah, you got away with it for 10 years, but you got 50 for it. Now they get work out of you for free. <laughs> you didn't know you were going to have a career in making, you know, license plates. You thought you would be a CEO of a company right now. Your CEO is right there with them plates. So here it is. We decide to release, to forgive. Life is only 10% of what happens to you. But 90% of how you respond to it. So the next time you get in tense fellowship with anybody, what would be your response? I'm not going to come unglued. I'm not going to fly off the handle like I used to. I'm going to be quick to listen and slow to speak. God, give me a wise answer to their question. Show me what to do in this situation and I will follow you. Come on, put your hands together and give God praise. Everybody.